Listener Production. Money laundering, links to organised crime, private jets and debit cards that let high rollers from China gamble millions... It kind of sounds like the script from a movie, but these are some of the explosive revelations that have come out of an inquiry into the running of Sydney's Star Casino. The cash that you bring in might be dirty, but after it's been through the casino and you've turned it over on the tables or in a machine or whatever it might be, those winnings are legitimate. Now, these allegations might sound familiar. And why is that? Well, they're very similar to the revelations about the Crown Casino Group. And that ended with Crown, Australia's biggest casino operator, being ruled unfit to hold a licence in Perth, Melbourne and Sydney. The owner, James Packer, had to sell down his stake and loads of people lost their jobs. So what goes on inside the murky world of Aussie casinos and where to from here now that we're learning our biggest and second biggest operators have big problems? That is our briefing topic today. First, let's get into the headlines. Tom Tilley and Katrina Blouse with you. It is Tuesday, April 5. US President Joe Biden has called for Russian President Vladimir Putin to face a war crimes trial. You saw what happened in Bucha. He is a war criminal. The bodies of hundreds of civilians were reportedly discovered in Bucha outside Kiev over the weekend after Russian troops withdrew from the city. Uh, Biden also wants more sanctions against Moscow. We have to continue to provide Ukraine with the weapons they need to continue the fight. And we have to gather all the detail so this could be an actual have a war crime trial. Meanwhile, Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky has visited Bucha. His visit came just hours after he addressed the Grammys in the US via video. We are fighting Russia, which brings horrible silence with its bombs, the dead silence. Feel the silence with your music, feel it today to tell our story. Wow, he really is everywhere, Zelensky, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he really is. He's getting this huge cut through in popular culture and with that young crowd. So the Grammys was definitely an amazing place for him to to have that platform. Yeah, and he got some cut through with the Australian Parliament by the looks of it. Last week, he was asking for some of our Bushmaster armoured vehicles and now we're shipping four of them to the Ukraine. I imagine he probably wanted more than four, but maybe that's not the end of it. That's right. Katrina, the other thing that stood out to me at the Grammys was that Louis C.K. won a Grammy for his album Sincerely Lewis, um, the best comedy gong, and that was a comedy show, a video that um, dealt with the allegations of sexual misconduct um, yeah. that he faced after five women came forward five years ago. Which, you know, that, that sort of was at the time, the epitome of, of what was being called cancel culture, just goes to show five years, a lot can change. That's right. <laughs> well, get ready for more extreme weather. The latest UN intergovernmental panel on climate change reporters sounded a huge alarm, warning it is now or never on taking action and we will definitely be facing an increase in disasters like flash flooding, prolonged droughts, bushfires, if our governments keep on burning fossil fuels. The litany of broken climate promises. It is a file of shame, cataloguing the empty pledges that put us firmly on track towards an unlivable world. That's Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary General, launching the report. So governments around the world agreed in 2015 at Paris um, to keep global warming well below 2 degrees this century, ideally no more than 1.5 degrees. But the report found that if we keep on acting the way we are now, we're not even going to limit it to 2 degrees, uh, let alone 1.5 
Yeah, they're saying that um, really huge change is actually needed right now, including we're going to need to leave most of the world's remaining coal reserves unburned. A family of five devastated by a landslide. So the family were hiking through Wentworth Pass in the New South Wales Blue Mountains when a landslide happened yesterday afternoon. This is one of those things that you think, you know, we've all been hiking, many of us have visited the Blue Mountains. It's hard to wrap your head around a disaster and a tragedy like this. So the nine-year-old son and the 49-year-old dad were killed. The 14-year-old brother and 50-year-old mum were airlifted out and they're in a critical condition in hospital. So sadly, though, the 15-year-old daughter was able to walk out. He was obviously clearly extremely distressed and we're trying to uh, to talk to her in relation to obtaining some further information. Yeah, oh, you've got to feel for the family left behind um, and that young girl just on her own walking out. So that was the New South Wales Police Acting Superintendent John Nelson there. Um, police confirmed it's a British family who were on holiday in Australia and the teenage girl called Triple O and said, I don't know where we are. Elon Musk has splurged $3 billion on Twitter shares. That means that the Tesla CEO now has a 9.2% stake in the social media platform. Yeah, so he snapped up the shares on March 14, um, but we only found out about this purchase yesterday. It pushed the share price of Twitter up 25%. And it comes at an interesting time. Um, I mean, one thing is that Jack Dorsey is no longer running Twitter But also, Musk has been talking a lot about Twitter. He asked his 80 million followers uh, late last month, so after he made the purchase, but before we found out about it, if they thought Twitter was doing enough to encourage free speech and whether a new platform was needed. So doing a bit of um, audience research on the platform that he'd just taken a big stake in. Yeah, look, I know like in Australia, sort of it seems the only people who are on Twitter are like journalists and politicians. But in the US, it does have a different kind of vibe. So maybe Musk knows something we don't, but there is no other social media platform really like it. So I'll be interested to see what his plans are in this space. And the Tassie Premier, Peter Gutwin, has resigned. The 57-year-old said leading the state through the pandemic had left him with nothing in the tank. During this time, I've quite rightly focused on everyone else's family. Uh, I now want to spend some time focusing on my own. I was really surprised about this decision. Um, to me, it doesn't seem like he's been in the job all that long. He is going to remain as Premier until the Liberal Party votes for a replacement later this week. Yeah, well, he's only just clocked two years in the job as Premier. It's less than a year since he won the election for the Liberals. He's not even halfway through that full term and he's already gone. So we can't know exactly what's going on in his family, what mm. his personal situation is, but... I want my premiers to serve at least a full term. Yeah, it is surprising. But, you know, as we said, you never know what's going on in people's Mm. personal lives. So we probably will find out more about what's actually happened uh, in time to come. All right, coming up, Australia's second biggest casino seems to have similar problems to our biggest. (laughs) 
So, just how dodgy are our casinos? For two years, our biggest casino operator, Crown, has had a string of extremely damaging revelations. And now, guess what? It turns out our second biggest casino operator has some very similar problems. The boss of Sydney's Star Casino has sensationally quit. $900 million went through China-based credit cards. Examining allegations of money laundering and whether it's had been infiltrated by organised crime. So a lot of these revelations are playing out in a New South Wales inquiry into Star, which is happening at the moment. And in one of the many parallels with Crown, Star are also trying to open a huge new casino, this time in Brisbane. For Crown, it was Barangaroo in Sydney, which is still not open because of all these problems. So how's this going to play out for Star? And what will it actually take to stop these dodgy practices? James Thompson has been covering this for the Australian Financial Review and joins us on The Briefing now. James, thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing. It looked like Crown was the black sheep of the casino family in Australia, but evidently Star is no golden child either. No, that's exactly right. All the problems that we saw at Crown have basically been replicated at the Star in the last few weeks as we've seen this inquiry roll out. It's quite amazing that um, how similar the two uh, casino operators have turned out to be. So these problems at Star, they they came out in a newspaper expose, a nine newspaper expose last October, but we've since heard more at this New South Wales inquiry. And there was also a KPMG audit a couple of years ago that revealed a lot of the issues. So give us a snapshot for people who aren't right across this story. What are the big problems here and what is alleged that they've been doing wrong? The central problem is that both Crown and Star have done deals with what are called junket operators. So junket operators organise to that they're based up in Asia. They find um, Asian gamblers, wealthy Asian gamblers. They bring them down to Australia. They provide them with credit. They collect their debts. They basically do everything that makes life easy for the Australian casino operators. The casino operators then give them a slice of the action and everyone's sort of happy. Well, except for the regulators, because (laughs) the problem with these junket operators is that they're allegedly backed up in Asia by criminal organisations, a crime gang called the Triads. And what these inquiries into the Star and Crown have alleged is that the Star and Crown were aware or should have been aware of the criminal links that these junket operators had. And instead, they held their nose and sort of closed their eyes and pretended everything was okay which is quite remarkable. We always knew this was going to blow up in their face or they should have known it was going to blow up in their face. And that's exactly what's happened. We've found out through the course of these inquiries that these deals with junket operators have basically allowed the junket operators to set up casinos inside the casinos. In both cases, the main junket operator, Sun City, was given a room at Crown and a room at Star where they could basically run their own casino while the regulations meant that these rooms inside the casinos, the Sun City junket rooms, were not supposed to have cash, we've now seen evidence of both Crown and Star of large amounts of cash being gambled. And that, of course, brings with it huge risks around money laundering and counter-terrorism financing, which we have a very, very, very strong legislation around to try and prevent. So that's the issue. The Star has sort of got into the bed with the wrong people and the and crown too. And that's what we're seeing uh, blow up in their faces at the moment. 
So can you explain how money laundering actually works in a casino? You get cash into the casino, you gamble it, knowing that you'll lose a bit, but you'll win a bit and your winnings are cleaned. The cash that you bring in might be dirty, but after it's been through the casino and you've turned it over on the tables or in a machine or whatever it might be, those winnings are legitimate. The proceeds might have been from crime, but where they come out the other end cleaned because they're the proceeds of gambling. So that's why there's such strict rules around where cash comes from in a casino. So casino operators, when they let big punters play, or and even when they let smaller punters play, the idea is that they're supposed to have a sense of where the cash has come from, that their cash is not from dirty sources, and that there's very strict processes to monitor all that and record it. So that's where the processes and systems at both Crown and Star seem to have fallen down or are alleged to have fallen down. So what's the most concerning allegation here? You mentioned that some of these junkets have crime links. We've also talked there about money laundering. Is the concern that the junkets are laundering their cash through our casinos or the high net worth individuals that are coming via the junkets are laundering their money? Well, the concerns are a bit of both, actually. So the key concern is that both Crown and Star as casino operators in a privileged position were prepared to do a deal with the junker operators who they knew or should have known were involved in industrial scale money laundering. So in that part is about not so much the risk that something happened, but the risk that something could have happened and Crown and Star systems weren't strong enough to prevent it. I want to know more about this high roller world. You mentioned before (laughs) that they're enticed to come and gamble. How? What does it look like? From what we know, they're flown out here on private planes paid for by the casinos. They're given free hotel rooms, free meals. Basically, they're, they're made as comfortable as possible. So they'll go out onto the tables and lose a lot of money. It's as simple as that, really. The funny part is that this wasn't a very profitable business for the casino. Like, It's good to have these high rollers. They can turn over a lot of money, but they can win a lot of money too. So it's not a massively high margin business, not really profitable. And there's probably, well, the casinos like to tell us there was somewhere between 30 to 50 of these whales, the, these these giant punters are called whales, traveling around the world at any one time. And, and you know, you could have a bad week with them or a bad few days, or you could have a good few days. So it's uh, very, very large sums of money. And, and sometimes the, the luck's with the house and sometimes the luck is with the punters. And one of the allegations is that they claim that the expenses are hotel expenses rather than gambling expenses. The inquiry heard that $900 million was disguised in that way. Why would they do that? Yeah, so this goes back to China's currency control. So in China, gambling is illegal and you aren't allowed to take currency out of the country for that purpose. Both Star and Crown found a way around this and that was to charge these cards called China Union Pay Cards, instead of charging the money from these cards for gambling, they charged them as hotel expenses, which allowed the punter to sort of shift currency from China and and use it at the casino. It allowed the casino to keep providing these punters with chips to keep playing. So it was sort of a, a workaround, I guess, but it definitely went against the rules of the China Union pay cards. And again, it created a level of risk 
for the casinos that probably shouldn't have been there. So given we've had these issues at Crown and and now allegedly at Star too, I'm just thinking of these practices just so endemic in this industry, it's going to be almost impossible to reform. That's the strange thing, right? We've been through, we've had three inquiries into Crown, New South Wales and a Royal Commission in Victoria and Western Australia, and now we're having the Star inquiry. At all three Crown inquiries, Crown's been found unsuitable to hold its licence. I think that's probably the outcome that's coming at Star as well. But Crown has been given three chances at reformation, three chances to sort of turn its organisation around, clean out of executives in the board, new systems and processes and, and heading towards a new culture. And I imagine that'll probably be the outcome at the Star too. So we have seen processes that are widespread and ingrained across the casino sector, you do get the sense that these businesses are almost too big to fail. The regulators or the governments around Australia, uh, they don't want to take their licences off them because of the disruption it would cause to an important employer, an important taxpayer in these cities. So it is interesting to see that these groups have really gone to the edge of what's acceptable and beyond it. But they still manage to hold on to these very valuable casino licenses. Well, I guess you put that in the context of Crown, who are now sort of fighting to get the license back to operate the Brangaroo Casino, which hadn't even opened when all their troubles came out into the open and caused you know a complete clean out of the board and the executive, as you say, and James Packer having to sell down his stake in his beloved mm. company. So it was an absolute mess for Crown. Now, Star, again, has another parallel here. They're trying to build and finish off a casino in Brisbane, the Queen's Wharf Star Grand. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So they have a small casino up in Brisbane. They want to make a much bigger one. So these inquiries don't come at great times for either company. But but even with Crown, I mean, they're in the middle of a, of a takeover offer, which mm-hmm. values the company at $9 billion. So they're going to be sold at a quite a rich price to a, um, a US private equity firm called Blackstone. That deal's likely to be approved in the next month or so. So, yes, they've been through a regulatory firestorm, I guess, but they come out the other end pretty much intact and um, a rich deal is offered to them. So, it does make you question sort of what the consequences of this poor behaviour actually are. Have our regulators done enough during this process to sort of make sure the behaviour was clamped down on? Probably not. But you are left with this sense of what's the real consequence for these casino operators for their poor behaviour. That was James Thompson from the Australian Financial Review. So interesting that, you know, so many people lose their jobs, board directors, executives, uh, in the case of James Packer, even had to sell out of his stake of Crown. But these casinos are huge landmarks in Mm. our cities and the demand for gambling continues. So they will continue to operate in some form. That's pretty much a given. The real question is, Will they once and for all stop these Asian junkets, these high rollers with so many questionable elements? Well, and especially when I think you'd almost need a complete management team clean out. Like, is it enough for the CEO alone to step down when you've got other members of that executive team who've been there for a decade or more and overseen some of these practices or at the very least perhaps knew that they were in existence. So that's going to be interesting to see too. Well, no, definitely. But more of those people are going to go, as James 
sad, but can they completely rule out the junkets? You know, surely if you were the the risk manager for these casinos, just the fact that these whales can win so much money is is a risk enough alone, let alone all the mm. huge amount of media scrutiny and regulatory scrutiny that's come with these practices that have raised so many questions. Tomorrow on The Briefing, a guy who was the best rugby player in the world is now running for Australian Parliament. It's David Pocock. I'm looking forward to interviewing him tomorrow on The Briefing. Listener.